HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Kat Johnson, and we're so excited to be broadcasting from the Le Creuset podcast studio next to the Open Table Industry Lounge at the Culinary Village near the corners. I'm just kidding. You know where we are. Um, We're super excited to be um, broadcasting our first day of interviews on International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to everyone that's joining us. once again, thank you to Le Creuset and the Julia Child Foundation who are making our on-tour possible here at Charleston Wine and Food. Make sure that you go check out our full interview schedule at heritageradionetwork.org slash charleston2019. And if you're hearing me now, you're probably listening live at heritageradionetwork.org slash live. But make sure that you bookmark that so you can listen to us live all the time. Okay. Um, I'm here with Katie Mosman Wadler, my intrepid co-host and partner in all things radio. You're intrepid too, Kat. <laughs> this is amazing. And um, we are on just like well into day one. Yes, it's happening. We're here. Um, I'm super excited about this conversation we're going to have because I don't know. There's a magical thing happening where there's a lot of amazing women making podcasts about food, <laughs> and we have three of them here today. I love it. I know. So first up, we have Lindsay Collins. Who you may remember from last year, they did an F and B radio pop up. Yes, that welcome. Was so much Lindsay. fun. I missed you guys. I we We've we missed you every you day. It felt like three years, but I know it's only been one. But I missed you the whole time. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for joining us. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? I, I want this giant coffee cup. There's a giant, you guys can't see it, but there's a giant Lake Crusade coffee mug in it's this. the size of a newborn baby. <laughs> it's so amazing. Lake <laughs> Crusade, if you're listening, um, I'll take one of those. My address is going to be in your inbox. Um, yes, I'm so excited to be back. Um, since I was here last year, F&B Radio is now a solo project, so it's, it's super cool to kind of showcase that. Congrats. I, I can't wait to talk about some of the episodes you've done in the past year. Um, some uh, very interesting topics you've delved into. Yes. Um, we're also joined by Catherine Budig. Am Budig. I saying your last it's name? It's the tiniest name that is the hardest to say. <laughs> Five little letters. <laughs> Catherine is the co-host of the Free Cookies podcast with your wife, Kate Fagan. That's correct. And she can't be here right now. She's very sad. And oh. she's probably on a plane, so can't even be listening. But she sends her love. Well, we'll send her the link later. She can tune in. She'll, we'll send her the coffee cup. We miss you, Kate. <laughs> the massive coffee cup is going to you, Kate. And finally, we're joined by Melissa Booth Hall, who is the newly 
minted co-host exactly. of the Gravy Podcast yeah. at the Southern Foodways yeah. Alliance. We're, we're in year four of Gravy Podcast, Congrats. and um, this is my first time um, as a co-host, and I'm loving it. It's exciting. You um, Let's start with Gravy. So you're the new co-host. Gravy has switched up the format a little bit, mm-hmm. not only because um, you're now joining John T. Edge um, on air and introducing us to all these incredible stories, but instead of dropping weekly episodes, you guys just switched to dropping six at a time. Yeah, so we were, um, what, uh, what we were told by a group of experts who we had come in and sort of look at the podcast is that we were doing the podcast the hardest way possible. <laughs> and their point to us was, um, you're not radio, so why have you put yourself on this radio schedule? Um, why don't you like embrace being a podcast? So we did that this year, which is when we went to the um, what we like to call the Netflix model, because we're simple. Um, and we um, drop five episodes at a time, four times a year. Amazing. And talk a little bit about this recent batch of, of shows. Uh, is there, I, I don't want you to pick a favorite. That would be too hard. But is there one episode that you think stands out that people should definitely listen to first? Um, the episode that uh, really resonated with me and with uh, a bunch of the folks in my office is the episode um, that we call Pressure Cooker which is about kind of the weird space that women in particular find themselves in of um, being um, expected to both uh, slay at a job and then come home and produce supper for whoever is um, at, at home, whether it's a a pet or uh, an actual like whole family um, and so that pressure to produce supper every single night when it's not fun when it's not a gathering I think is the one that that kind of got to all of us in different ways we everybody I'll just say everybody had feelings about that episode yeah I so, can see that yeah. <laughs> I can certainly see that and that directly plays into the theme that SFA has this year, which is food as work. And that's yes. a, we think about professionals working in food, but food is a lot of work for moms and parents and people that have to cook at home. Exactly. And it's not, um, it's not recognized work. It's not glamorous work. It's, you know, it, it's all of those things. And it's interesting because as, you know, as we talk about sort of women in podcasting, you know, Podcasting is still one of those spaces where, and um, and I say this with a lot of love, um, nobody can nobody can really define or wrap their arms around what it is to podcast, who gets to, what the networks are, like all of those things. And for women, that is an amazing opportunity because in this moment where um, there are a lot of people in the space, it it is a moment where a lot of women can use their voices, their technical skills, their storytelling ability to tell stories in a way where they might be closed out in more traditional media where there are rules and expectations and a foot in the door and all of those things. So, I mean, I think this is a great time to be a woman in podcasting. I think this speaks so much to Lindsay, your kind of journey with FMB Radio. Yeah. Do you... What oh, do you think 100%. about exactly what she was saying? I, I completely agree because when, when I started FMB Radio, it's in its fourth season, but it's kind of like three years. We just make up the seasons. Yeah. It's, very, it's really willy-nilly. You can do that. It's, I know. And it's like you said, podcasting is such the Wild West still yeah. that there's, there's very little barrier to entry aside from if you really want great production value. Right. 
Um, but I feel the same way in that that when you're starting a podcast, like we started ours um, on a local level, and then it kind of expanded out into other areas, so much so that Philip Michael Cohen, who's not on the show anymore, but is now in Hudson, he went to get a job and like walked in and they were like, are you Philip Michael Cohen of F&B Radio? And he's like, in a completely different region. And he was like, are you, are you messing with me? Like, is this, did you, are you, is this a joke? Um, so it expanded out from a local level of me just trying to like kind of cover what was going on in my city. And now it's turned into a thing with it just being me where I really want to make it on a broader spectrum to the point that uh, in this season we introduced a new segment called What's Her Family Meal. And we just did um, one in Paris. So mm-hmm. we're just calling restaurants all over. And it's really gone from being like me just sort of poking around talking about what's going on in town to to this much broader spectrum yeah. that, that has been really fun to watch that evolve. And I also have three kids. I just had a baby yeah. in November. And so I, I podcast in my closet, like in between feedings, like after everyone goes to bed. And it's something that I wouldn't be able to do if it was like, hey, I'm going to come in and like get studio time at this place. Right. And it's really only, it's the only way, it's the only platform that I had. Right. And because I went to audio engineering school in like a past life while I was working in restaurants, those two things kind of served me to be like, oh, I can combine both of these things to get my voice out there and still be a mom and like do all those things. So it's like, it's been an incredible thing for me. And you, one thing about FMB, you've done some kind of on the fly reactionary episodes. Yeah. Specifically what I'm thinking about is yeah, the, in response to the, the Me one Too. Broad. One broad. Yeah. One broad kind of Me Too thing. Yeah. And that was, that was interesting to do because it, when it's in your own backyard and it's people that are working in your community, I was pretty shocked at the response. Like people, I knew there was going to be a response. Um, and for the people who don't know what's, what happened, there was a, a sexual harassment issue in a restaurant here in Charleston. Um, and the owner literally flashed himself to a group of women who were, were doing this private um, event. And it was really inappropriate. Everybody didn't know what to do and was kind of upset by it. But it just kind of, that was it. It didn't really go any further. And once I talked about it on the podcast, because I felt in- incredibly strong about it, all of a sudden I had like the owner of the building contacting me. I had the owner himself. I had people who were in the actual restaurant industry being like, how can you do this to us like that worked there that were like you know this is our job and our livelihood and and it was intense because I, these are my peers and these are people that I see around town and and you have to kind of deal with that directly but I feel like it's such an important conversation that I was like listen this is for the the greater good like I don't want you to have to work for someone like that and in a city that's desperate for people to work in restaurants like work for someone that you're proud of like work for someone that you respect, who respects you and who respects others. And and that was kind of a hard pill to swallow because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to make a bunch of enemies in your own town. But you do have to. I felt strongly that it had to be said and it had to be brought to people's attention. And, and that's kind of the thing. Like you are putting it out there where people listen. And sometimes you forget that, you know, and you have to be ready to actually stand up and say, OK, I'll I'll, I'll face these consequences. And I was happy to do it. But. And. You've since expanded a little bit beyond F&B Radio and are working on some other projects. Yes. Tell us about it. Um, I'm producing other shows, one of which is Free Cookies. Oh, hey. hey. <laughs> Catherine Budig and Kate Fagan. Um, I'm I love so it when you say my name right. <laughs> I love your name. I'm so proud of that show, and I'm so proud of, of what they 
bring to the table that sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know like if I'm the one that should be doing this, but I, I'm proud of the work that we do, and they are obviously like high-level players. They had a show previously that was produced by ESPN, so when they came to me, I was very intimidated, and I was like, uh... Meanwhile, yeah. we're like, free us, free <laughs> us! <laughs> yeah, but they wanted a lot more creative control with the show, and we've been able to sort of do that together. Um, and it's it's turning into an actual maybe viable business for me. Like there's other people that want shows. I'm producing. I produce Pocket Liquor, uh, which they're now they're now braving it on their own. God bless them. Um, but they're they're awesome bartenders in town. Um, so it's it's turned into this whole other thing that I never ever expected it to when I just started talking into a microphone in my closet. <laughs> um, so, but free cookies is incredible. Um, you guys should t- you should talk about that. Yeah, tell, tell us about tell free us. cookies. About the free cookies. Well, t- it was freeing because our first season was through ESPN, which was amazing to have a platform like that. But I, I co-hosted it with my wife, and we started getting feedback like, you guys are too cutesy together, and it shouldn't be about your relationship. And then there were guests that we thought were fascinating because we don't, we don't care about marquee names as much as interesting conversation. And we would propose certain guests, and we're like, we don't want to have to Google them. We need to know who these people are. So needless to say, season one, thank you, ESPN, for everything you did. Oh, and it was under Disney, so there were no F-bombs at all. We really (laughs) had to reel in the pirate mouth thing, and that was difficult because we'd be like, Um, (laughs) So we, we found Lindsay in season two. We brought it back to Charleston. And to me, it just, it may not be on the same platform that it was, but it's blossomed because I, we're interested in getting back to real content in a world that's so consumed with imagery and fluff and platitudes. We just want to bring it back to storytelling and all of the, the things that are humming beneath the surface that people aren't normally tapping into. So when we have our guests on, we're not just hitting the same thing that they've talked about with every single podcast that they've been on. We're always trying to you know, get in there and what are the things that you are interested in that you don't get to talk about on a regular basis. How did you come up with the name Free Cookies? Okay, well, Kate and I have very different origin stories about this, and I'm so glad she's not here right now because <laughs> I get to tell my story. Um, Kate claims that she made a mixtape for her best friend when they were playing professional basketball together, and she called it Free Cookies, blah, 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 blah. What I remember <laughs> is that we were walking in Hampton Park in Charleston, South Carolina, as we do, and we talk, 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 and we decided that what is better than cookies? Oh, nothing. And what's even better than cookies? Free cookies. And cookies are symbolic of these ideas. And so, it, and that didn't limit our show to one kind of topic. We can bring guests on from all different walks and genres, and we're sharing these free cookies, these free ideas and concepts with our listeners. Who have been some of your favorite recent guests on the show that are maybe unexpected? Uh, one of the most mind-blowing episodes we had was with Esther Perel. She's a famous psychotherapist out of New York. Uh, and she is just the most mesmerizing woman I have ever met. Very intimidating. Belgian. She's got this really sexy haircut and accent. You're just like, <laughs> uh, and she will just talk about love and sex in a way that gives everyone permission to be exactly who they are. There's no shame. She's just such a remarkable, intelligent woman. So that definitely was an episode that completely blew up for us. And most recently we had Liz Moody, who is a cookbook author and, uh, works I believe still works for Mind Body Green and uh, she's just in the world of wellness because I also teach yoga I get really tired of the you know in solidarity but between the lines people are saying F you and Liz is really good at taking all the wellness trends and totally like breaking through the BS and saying exactly what it is like celery juice hell nah 
activated charcoal? Maybe. How are you using it? And, you know, she just really explains what's going on instead of everyone going, oh, yes, yes, celery juice will totally heal every problem that you have. Mm. Yeah, no. A lot of, like, aspirational. Exactly. Type of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to anyone um, if there's been anything about podcasting, like doing a podcast project that you feel like has changed something about you, like as a communicator, as a person, as a collaborator, because I think podcasts are inherently like very collaborative. You all have or have had collaborators. So I will say, um, I, um, what I've been interested in about podcasting, about, about having this particular role in the podcast is the way in which it has allowed me to be okay with my voice. And I know I that sounds same really thing. weird, but I mean, I have been, you know, I was the, I was the speech and debate nerd in high school. <laughs> um, I speak on behalf of the Southern Foodways Alliance all over the place. So it's not as though I'm afraid to talk. <laughs> um, but it is the case that, um, and, and this kind of happened in our office when we started talking about this reimagined podcast, all of the women in the office to a person said, oh, I don't think that can be me. And when we said, and, and when the question why was asked, every person had the same answer. I don't like my voice. I don't think my voice is right for radio. And, you know, the reality is I've listened to a lot of podcasts. It's not as though, like, the male voice across the radio and podcasting world is so, like, perfect and sonorous. (laughs) But I don't know. I I really don't know what it is about women that that was everybody's first reaction. Like, oh, I, I could never do that. And so... And, and it was my reaction too. And so to to be comfortable, actually comfortable with my actual voice um, has been like, I mean, like, I feel like I needed therapy um, in that process. So I think we all have to realize that like there's a Terry Gross and there's a Michael Barbaro and they have like picture picture perfect voices. That's a weird phrase, but yeah. like, you know what I mean by it? It's like and that they're them and yeah. we all have our own voices and we should be cool. And once you listen back to enough tape, you've kind of you get over it but it is I was gonna say I I stopped saying um and uh so much because when I edit I edit my show as well so I was just so critical of how it sounds but it's also very unnatural to hear your voice coming into your own ears it's something that you never do in real life you would hear your voice going out and you would hear others I so I think it's one of those things where when you look at yourself in the mirror you're like this is what I look like. And then you see a photo of yourself and you're like, I don't look like oh, that. That's not no. me. I have my own. <laughs> and it's exactly the same with our voices. So I think people have to just kind of do exactly what you said. It's, you have to be brave to kind of get over the way that that sort of self-conscious feeling about your own voice because it is there's nothing but audio. Would you say that bravery has come naturally or did you have to fight to find that? Well, Banking off all that, I, I think the, finding a lack of perfection and being okay with that. Because some of the most interesting conversations we've had are not edited, and it's not polished, and it's actually humans sitting there being curious about each other. And when you can move into that place, that's where you get to something that people want to listen to as opposed to, oh my gosh, did I frame the question perfectly? Did I have an intelligence response where it's, you know, stop making it about you and open up the space for the story and the guests that you're having so you can tell their story. Yeah. And I think for me, waiting tables for as long as I have that, that I'm so used to just like being kind of 
uncomfortably comfortable with talking in front of strangers or knowing that people are listening to me and, and making sure that they can understand me. Like, it, it came very natural to me to, to talk. I had to just get over listening to the playback, like the talking part I, I felt very comfortable with. But. And our, um, when Gravy was launched, it was launched by our producer, Tina Antolini, who, um, in addition to being an incredibly talented storyteller and an, an, an unbelievably talented um, audio editor, has one of those Terry Gross voices. So for SFA, like the bar was set really high. <laughs> um, and so that, you know, I just, I, yeah, finding, finding my voice. So, Melissa, I have to say, since it seemed like there was almost an open call of sorts for the person to be yeah. uh, the co-host, how did that end up being you? Um, I, th- I think initially I was the person most willing to do it. Um, my colleague, Sarah Camp Milam, is the editor for Gravy and has been since the beginning. My colleague, Mary Beth Lassiter, is the publisher for Gravy and has been since the beginning. And so, you know, I'm... I was the person who said, I think I can get over this the fastest, <laughs> and, you know. And, and I will just say, on top of, like, other voice issues, we're all from the South, and we sound Southern. We do not have that middle-of-the-country sort of Kansas <laughs> nothing. But I wouldn't um, want to listen to Gravy and hear someone without yeah. an accent. Well, so that's one of the things that we learned is that, um, you know, you've, you've probably heard over the years um, people who host, like, late-night television – talk about the extent to which that's a really intimate relationship because you're in people's bedrooms well the thing about podcasting is it's even more intimate because you're in people's heads I mean it is I think the as I think about it the podcast voice is very close to that voice in your head that runs when you're reading I mean because it's you and that voice and um, so I don't think that voice has to to sound a certain way. It just needs to be pleasant, and it needs to be a voice that you would listen to and believe when they speak. So, and I think that's a wide range of voices and different for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, Catherine, I'm curious if you and Kate have like other projects that you work on together, and if not, like why podcasting was the thing that you decided this is what we're gonna work on together as a long-term project. We do have other projects that we work on together. We She wrote a book called What Made Maddie Run, which was about, uh, it's nonfiction, and it was about the death of a young woman who took her life by suicide. Um, and so she gives talks on, on mental health, and then I teach yoga. So we have collaborated together where she'll give a talk, and then I'll teach a class gearing towards finding that space in your body. Um, and we're actually pitching a cookbook right now, which I can't tell you too much. Because it's not pinned yet, but uh, uh, we, we actually have a very unique spin to what this cookbook is going to be like. It's not going to be like anything that you've seen before, and it's going to be infused with our stories and, and personalities, and it's, uh, it's amazing getting to work with your partner. Sometimes I really don't know why I'm doing this to myself, <laughs> but um, it, it's, that's what happens when you marry the smartest person you know, is that you're constantly wanting to create together and so it's ultimately a blessing and we just need to know when to kind of step away and be kind to each other and hear each other and not talk over each other which Lindsay has been privy to when that happens (laughs) when I leave with a little storm cloud over my head and like you don't listen to me (laughs) co-hosting a podcast with anyone though I think is is incredibly personal like you have to really trust that person and you have to like 
hope that they're going to give you space to talk and and it, when we had three hosts, it was like a lot of fun, but there's so been chaos. Yeah, it's really like, <laughs> especially three like really extroverted people that are just trying to get jokes in. You're just yeah. like, wow, this is really, this is impossible. <laughs> like this is in the best way. And it's like really, really live and, and fun. But, but it is, you have to trust them. That's, that's a good point for sure. Can you each speak a little bit about like the process of the podcast? Because I think that there's a pretty wide range here where it's pretty live, unedited, and then Gravy is obviously highly edited and has a contributor almost every week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'll start. Um, so Gravy is, um, I think, really odd in that none of us are really ever in the same place. So we have um, our producers who are on the road, you know, doing the interviews, telling the stories. They are sending scripts back to us. Sarah Kent Milam is editing those scripts. Um, if it turns out that the episode needs technical assistance, Mary Beth is making that happen. And then once we have a script that we're happy with, it comes then to John T and me. We read it and kind of identify the themes that we want to sort of tease out or what resonated with us and then we kind of do a little writer's room um, and uh, and script to a certain extent our banter mm -hmm. um, and then we go into um, we actually have now a um, sound tent uh, not unlike this one only it's much smaller um, and so we go into our tent and uh, record our part and it goes back to the producer and so we don't really hear a final episode of Gravy until you know a few weeks before the public does so it's lots of moving parts in lots of places wow yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty amazing yeah the the outline for cookies for free cookies is normally two to three segments unless we have a really long-winded interview and then we just do two segments and we used to write a rough script for everything especially for the opening but we found if we went in there with an actual script, we were so married to what we wrote down that it didn't sound natural, or if it wasn't perfect, we would stop and retape it. And that's not why people listen to our podcast. They like the banter. They like that, that that's on the moment joke or something that just came out of nowhere. So now we just structure, okay, segment one, we want to talk about ABC, and that's what we want. Interview, we do our research on them so that we can keep the conversation moving, and same with segment three. And that has ultimately for us been the best structure because it gives us room to play and to be us and to, to stay realistic. So for us, scripts, we, we really don't do well with them. Yeah, scripts are hard. And I, I think um, for me, my show's completely... <laughs> my show's totally, in my closet. Un totally unscripted <laughs> in my closet. And so, um, I kind of like do this thing where I think about stuff all throughout the week that I want to pull from. And mine is more of like a narrative kind of now in season four where it's just sort of me kind of pondering things. And that was the hardest part from transitioning from it being with two co-hosts to being just me kind of carrying the show was how to leave space and not just feel this really un, un, unnecessary urge to talk constantly because it sounds weird. You sound crazy when you're by yourself and you just don't take a break. Mm. So it, it ended up being me like getting used to more of like an external monologue that just like getting my thoughts outside of my head and leaving space for the listener to actually answer those questions themselves and kind of like you said the voice in your head when you're reading and it's it's pretty intense when you do meet someone that listens to the show regularly uh, the connection that they feel to you because mine is 
so much of me just being me on my show. <laughs> so it can get like, it's wonderful, but it can get a little strange because you realize like, wow, I've, I've had some, some creepy and wonderful emails of people, you know, that feel really, really close to me that I'm like, that's on me because I, I put that out there and was hoping that they would do that. I just didn't realize it would work so strongly, you know, to the point that, that it's, it's hard to, to police yourself and not ramble. It's hard to know if what you're saying makes any sense to anybody else, you know, and you just kind of, I've, I've found that you can't think about that. You have to only think about what makes sense to you because if they're subscribing to your show, they must like what you say. So you, you can't try to cover all the gamuts, you know, which is what I was doing originally. And I've, I've really finally settled into a place where I can turn it on and just feel, feel comfortable. And Do you bring an outline for yourself or any kind of tools in the closet with you? <laughs> no. Or you just go? <laughs> no, I just go. Uh, and then when we do have a segment like um, What's for Family Meal, then that's, that's really nice because I'll, kind of, um, I'll kind of lead off that on the third part, you know. Um, but but it's, pretty, it's pretty silly to like sit there and feel like, like a crazy person just kind of talking into a microphone when it's just you. But I, I enjoy it um, being so f- freestyle because I think that it lends itself to people, people having their own ideas and they respond and I love, I love that, that interaction with the listeners because they, they're like, oh yeah, me too. I did one episode about my weird obsession with the light over the kitchen sink and I was like, this is so random and niche and specific and no one else is gonna have that. And like three people wrote back and one um, was from New Jersey and she was like, we totally agreed. She was like, I think of dish soap and my grandmother and like a clean kitchen after like a family event and it's really nostalgic and like comforting to me and that connection was was pretty amazing when any of you are doing your podcast recording VO or recording your monologue or your conversations do you picture who you think your like quintessential listener is in your mind <laughs> no I don't. I'm like afraid. I, they're just like a. I don't know. I see someone wearing like a full bodysuit that says "free cookies" all over it. <laughs> you have oh, you have a mask. Pom poms. You one have a mask. One that says Catherine. Yeah. And same for you, Melissa. You picture those people as well. Yeah. I. You know, we. Um. One of the things that we're trying to figure out at the Southern Foodwise Alliance is sort of who our audience is for the podcast. And so, I mean, I kind of amuse myself by, you know, thinking about, like, various sort of out-there audiences. Like, is this a person running? Is this a person in a car about to pick up some children at school? Is this a person about to get on an airplane and who's going to download the whole batch? I don't know. I just... I I think it's better not to think too much. I totally agree. (laughs) I picture Burt Reynolds. Exactly. I'm like, he's totally listening. Sometimes I'll talk to him. I'm like, I know you're out there, Burt. Like centerfold Burt? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like mustache. Yeah. (laughs) I miss him. One thing I've been thinking about a little bit, I was mentioning this to Katie and Hannah this morning, is that I've hearing a lot lately, and I appreciate the the underlying sentiment of it, of anyone can podcast, because it's like, cheap technology it's an accessible medium you can like do it in your closet if you want to anyone can podcast just do, just start one and I'm kind of in my mind like I like the idea of like this being accessible but also like 
Should everyone really have a podcast? No. Sweet baby Jesus, no. <laughs> no. No. No, they shouldn't. And I think that's going to be one of the things that we see in the future when it eventually does somehow get regulated by some age. Somebody's going to regulate it at some the point. The podcast police. Yeah, the podcast police are going to be invented and then they're going to regulate it and they're gonna, there's going to be some barrier to entry because I guess it could be like YouTube where it's out there and no one cares and that's what's kind of happening now. But, yeah. but what I've noticed because... I am just obsessively like thinking of new shows and things that I want to launch. So many names have, have been taken and then are now defunct or like were a thing, but they like put out one episode and quit. And it, there's a lot of noise and like clutter existing in this space where it's like, what's happening? Like if your podcast is done, it should it should be done. And if it doesn't have success, it kind of should get out of the way. Not because take I, up the space on the yeah. iTunes store. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, yeah. That's How happened you, to us. Where we've, like, we've looked like for a name above. and it's... Yeah, yeah and, and we've had... We've like been running with a name and thought that we were in the clear and then somebody else started it on yeah. the actual same day. That happened once. And you're just wow. like, really? Yeah. And, and yeah, and how do you get noticed? Because it's really, really, really hard yeah. to launch a podcast and it's so important to get those subscribers early on. Too. So yeah, how do you differentiate? Yeah. And I'm not like wishing for the regulation because I feel like that's part of what's what's freeing about it and the good ones will get noticed. It seems like the good ones do get noticed. I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like there's any Mark Marins out there just podcasting to no one. Like I feel like they get they get picked up but it's interesting and it's weird to kind of to wonder how that is supposed to happen you know like, what do you do a couple more questions for you ladies uh first one is what are other podcasts you're listening to that you admire that you like oh man i this it's gonna be so far from food right now that's but all right we really love sam harris uh he's a philosopher it, his podcast used to be called waking up but now it's called making sense and bro i mean some of these episodes will go for two hours i kid you not this is not something that you put on where you just want to float away you put it on when you want to learn and he just brings on the most fascinating guests from you know google ethicists which i know maybe you're like la 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 i just turned you off when you said that but it's actually quite fascinating to famous authors and he's just he's brain brain candy brain well no he's not candy he's He's brain broccoli. <laughs> He's brain kale. He's brain kale. Brain kale. What about you, Lindsay? Oh man, you know this is this is a crazy thing about me is I intentionally don't listen to other podcasts because do you ever feel like content exhaustion? From, oh yeah, sure. Like constant, just like things coming in that I will almost have to question and be like, was that my idea or did Kat Kinsman say that? Like, where am I? Like, in order to like keep my my voice kind of original to me like I'll take a, a big break from podcasting like listening to podcasts while I'm taping shows and when I am like listening it's always something really silly I love lore I love I like I love lore I love lore myths and legends too is another really fun oh, storytelling see, yeah, one see I'm into anything like that um, I love gravy I think that that's just like I, being from the south I think it's really I love the production value like I just kind of marvel at that and I'll, I'll listen to those, but I, I honestly try to keep myself in a little bit of a, what is it? What is it when you go under the bubble? The bubble? Yeah. Like no, a sensory like deprivation yeah, thing. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Kind of there so that I don't, um, unintentionally like copy someone cause there is so much noise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen to very few food based podcasts for that same reason. Yeah. Um, I do, I have the two things that I have listened to most recently and loved, um, 
One was called Caliphate. Um, it was so great. produced by uh, this woman, Wendy Dore, who actually gave us some advice in retooling the podcast. It's phenomenally good. And right now what I'm listening to is a podcast, I think it's from Slate, called Slow Burn, which is Season the, one or season two? I'm, in, I'm finishing season one. So I'm, I'm in the Watergate era. I'm about to go to Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. But that, that idea of sort of taking apart something that you've lived, but breaking it down into sort of the small moments where things could go one way or they could go another way. I love that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Super cool. Amazing. All right. Ra- last rapid fire question before we have to wrap up. It's International Women's Day, so I would love for each of you to name a woman that you think we should all know about their her work and that you want to give a shout out to. Oh yeah, be anyone for any reason. Uh, mine is uh, ooh, my mom. She, yeah, she just. Sorry, I'm like upset. She's um, she just got diagnosed with cancer, and she's just the bravest one I know. And I'm definitely my mom. For sure. She's the international best. <laughs> best mom ever. Uh, uh, Sean Korn. Uh, she is an international yoga teacher and activist. She actually just married us. She's been a long time mentor of mine. Yeah, she she's the most, and she's from Jersey, so she's this like trash talking, badass, massive line man, main, man, lion, main, curly headed fascinating unstoppable woman and she has a book coming out soon uh, and she started this um, this organization called Off the Mat and Into the World and she just I would like to be here when I grow up and for me it's actually some people who have mentioned already on the uh, show Sarah Camp Milan who's our editor and Mary Beth Lassiter who's uh, along with me SFA's associate director you know the thing about the SFA is um, our staff is entirely women, um, except for John T. Edge, our founding director. <laughs> and all of the women who work for us are, um, you know, their mothers, their spouses. They are a lot of things, um, but they continue to, to produce and create amazing work. I mean, we produce a magazine. We produce um, a podcast. We produce thousands of words for every event that we put on and both Sarah Camp and Mary Beth are really the filter through which all of that flows and you know I, I think you know, we joke sometimes about you know do you think other editors are doing this do you think other publishers are doing this as people are like picking up coffee cups or you know like some <laughs> completely like nothing job but you know the answer is no they're not and just kind of the way the SFA works, those are two women who don't get enough uh, attention. And so, yeah, they're mine. Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, we got to wrap up. Got more shows to do today. Yeah. But I could talk to three of you, four Ladies. of you, for hours and hours and hours. Aww, thanks so much for having us. This Thank has been you. really, really Thank fun. You. Yes. Thank you. We love and admire you guys so much. Yes. Thank Aww. you for coming on. Yeah. Happy International Women's Day, you guys. So, Lindsay, Catherine, and Melissa, and Katie. And Kat. I'm Kat. We'll be right back. BRB. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.